I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which from personal experience I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Welcome back, Prakaptan. Happy New Year. It's 2024. I hope your holidays were terrific. I hope the turn of the new year was terrific for you. It's Monday. I feel like when years start on a Monday, it's an indication that it's the year of overachievers and hyper-organized folks. Monday's the start of the week. No one but those kinds of people seem to like those days, and so I think this is the year of the productivity master or something like that. If you are not a productivity master, as I am not, hopefully it's equally as good a year for you in spite of it starting on a Monday. This week, we're going to talk about oikiosis. Last year, which seems weird to say, but I guess it's that way every year. Last year, we had but one episode on oikiosis. However, given its importance to a healthy stoic practice, we're going to start 2024 out with an entire month of focus on oikiotic, which is a word I'm inventing, thinking and acting. We're not going to get into the weeds, but we are going to have a practical month revolving around oikiotic things. But again, not getting deep into theory or the weeds. No doubt at this point in your journey, along the nearly 300 total episodes of this podcast, you've heard me mention the circles of concern before. These are a set of concentric circles that show the self at the center, and then family, friends, community, all of humanity, and then, thanks to Leonidas Konstantikos and Kai Whiting, the biosphere. And these things happen in succession, in the order I've just named them. The aim of this diagram, which was put forth by the Stoic philosopher Heracles, not Hercules, by the way, if there's any confusion there, Hierocles, I'll say instead, in the second century CE is to illustrate those things which are ours to be concerned with. The encouragement of the circles is to collapse all of those outward circles inward toward the self so that we concern ourselves with everything in their contextually appropriate way, in the same way we are concerned with ourselves. Last month, I introduced the pyramid of concern to posit an additional reason, beyond the one already posited by Heracles, that we should care for those outer things as diligently as we care for the inner thing, ourselves. Namely, when viewed as a pyramid, 
with the outer circles now the base of that pyramid, and the self, the, I think we call it a keystone or the capstone, it's clear that those distant rings now support and enable us. It's not intended to be a hierarchy, although of course all pyramids look that way. But regardless of how you view what should be ours to be concerned with and why you think we should have such concerns, one thing is clear in Stoicism. To choose not to care about anything but yourself is not something the Stoic sage would do, and thus is reflective of a vicious character. The Stoic sage would know how to care appropriately for everything in his or her life, relevant to his or her roles, character, and personality. My concern for the animals or the ecosystem as an example, even as a Prokopton, won't be the same as yours. And I won't show concern in general in the same way or towards the same people as you do. If you're a medical doctor and I'm a podcaster, for example, the way I'm enabled and uniquely positioned to serve my family, my friends, my community, and the biosphere is different than how you are uniquely enabled to do those things. You'll save lives, and I'll try my best to help people think better and develop better characters, but we're all recognizing what is ours to be concerned with or to care for, and what is ours to do. And that is what oikiosis is all about. So in today's episode, I'm going to do three things. First, I will do my best to define exactly what oikiosis is, and later on we'll hear from some of the ancient Stoics on the topic of oikiosis and what they thought about it. Second, we'll explore something more practical, like a present-day concern, and consider an oikiotic approach to that concern, or maybe I'll do more than one. And lastly, I'll present a question to all of you who are listening on Spotify that you can answer directly within the Spotify mobile app, and some of which I will feature on this week's interview episode, which will be with William Stevens, where we'll talk more about oikiosis in general. Before I can do that, though, I have to thank some new patrons, quite a few of them, actually. So thank you to BX, Cristobal Galet, TJ Askren, Drakian, Oliver Starheim, Ianis Tutunaru, Michael Sitnik, Dylan, Jacob Blowers, Kevin Bridgman, Joshua Goodrich, and just plain old Caleb. Thanks, Caleb. And thank you to the rest of you for becoming new patrons of my work. You now have access to exclusive content published on Patreon, which will see a massive increase this year in 2024, as well as to an ad-free version of the podcast and access to patron-only channels within the Discord community. I'm also working to beef up all the offerings that come with this $5 tier because it is the only tier that exists to support me on Patreon or Patreon. I guess I'm going to foul that up a bunch of times, I'm sure. And I'm doing that to make it kind of a no-brainer for people who want to support my work. Like five bucks, whoa, that's practically nothing. That's what I want people to think. So I'm constantly beefing up this tier and charging the same amount for it. If you'd like to become a patron, I would encourage you to go to stoicismpod.com forward slash members to learn more and sign up. And now we're going to take a break to hear a couple of ads, a little bit of information. This podcast is now part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, which is a wonderful, tiny little podcast network, although they have hundreds of shows. Tiny little podcast network. I think I say tiny thinking that they're very humble and kind. They're based out of Ohio. 
They're a great team. I'm basically smitten by them in a way that is nice and refreshing. And in negotiating the agreement between myself and Evergreen to talk just a little bit of shop with you here today, I've ensured that there will not be a flood of ads in episodes. So for this episode, because it's going to be around 30 minutes long, you're going to hear these two ads, and then somewhere later you'll hear two more. But I'm always going to try to put at least 15 minutes worth of content between ad breaks. In longer episodes, which will be our Friday interviews, you're going to hear three ad breaks for a total of six ads. But again, I'm going to work very hard to guarantee that there's at least 15 minutes of solid content between ad breaks. You may also notice that I skipped Wednesday. We're not going to do them anymore. One of the biggest complaints I received from the end of the year survey is that, Tanner, you're doing too many episodes. I can't keep up. I'm checking out as a result. So now we're doing Mondays and we're doing Fridays. And that is what I am sticking with for the entirety of this year. So for all of you who were like, ah, oh, it was so confusing. Things were changing all the time. Be assured this year, Monday episodes, Friday interviews, and that's the format. Time to get some normalization back into this podcast. Okay, that is all the shop we need to talk. Here are the two ads, and when we come back, we'll talk more about oikiosis. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which from personal experience I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Oikiosis is appropriation. Don't worry, it's not that sort of appropriation. It's more like taking on as your own that which makes sense to you to be your own. When we're children, let's say we're little babies, we appropriate, for example, our mother's milk. We're concerned with our mother because we have to be. She's the source of our nutrition. You also might appropriate your parents because you want their attention. You need their protection. But it starts out as being very me, me, me. However, as you get older, you begin to appropriate other things like the family unit as a whole and for other reasons. Your friends in school, your role as a student, your position as a part-time cashier at the grocery store around the corner. That me, me, me baby expands to appropriating not just wants and needs, but also those things which seem right 
to them, to you, for them to appropriate, to feel concerned with in the same way that they feel concerned with themselves and for themselves. Why does this happen? Well, if we dive into the theology of Stoicism, we'd have no choice but to discuss the daemon and how this little piece of the cosmic divine is the conscience that pushes us to feel appropriately about things. But I think it's too early in the year for that, and I've just promised we're not going to get into the weeds, so we're not going to do that. If you want to hear an episode about the Stoic daemon, I believe it was the last one of last year, so the episode just before this one. Instead, let's be more practical. This happens because you gain an affinity for certain things and people as your inner sense of moral rightness matures. For whatever reason, we don't need to dive into the theology and the physics, our sense of moral rightness is maturing. For example, have you ever wondered how all of America, and I'm using America as an example, not because I think America is the only country, but because it's where I'm from and so I feel the most comfortable using it as an example. Have you ever wondered how all of America was totally cool with slavery for like a long time? And then fast forward to 2024 and no one in America is okay with slavery. I don't mean think about all the fighting and loss of life that brought about that end of that way of thinking, and to slavery for that matter. I mean think about the moral shift that happened between, well, before 1865, but certainly 1865 and 2024. It happened to the entire population, but not all at once. It took a lot of time. As a species, our notions of morality have been advancing or changing since day one in the Rift Valley of Africa, which is where science tells us we started. And when you zoom out and look at the entire timeline of humanity, it's amazing, pathetic, and hopeful all at the same time that it takes this long, I suppose. It's amazing that so much change has happened at all, given the relative shortness of our timeline of existence, human beings that is. It's pathetic that it seems to take so long and cost so much, and it's hopeful because if the past is any indication, humans always trend towards improvement. And I think this also applies to the individual. When you're a child, you're a terribly selfish thing, with no real cognitive ability, no context, no sense. A child never, for example, waits patiently until you're off your very important Zoom meeting to start crying for a diaper change, food, or whatever else it is they might want. The level of cognitive and empathic maturity that is required to say, I'm going to suffer for a moment because I know that this call is important to my mom or my dad and my crying is going to make it more difficult for them. And I don't want to do that, so I'm just going to wait a minute. That just isn't present in a child, right? But it presents itself and becomes present, we hope, over time, because over time, that baby, us individuals, develop an understanding of the world around them. And as they do, they're inclined, based on their personality or character, which is in some sense baked in, there are a lot of qualities about an individual that come kind of preloaded that are a strange combination of mom and dad and everyone who came before that are in that lineage. And as all that happens, we're inclined to be considerate, thoughtful, protective, and mindful of certain relationships, people, and things. This, roughly, is what oikiosis is the coming to a complete understanding of what we're meant to care about and how we're supposed to care about and for it. And then we achieve oikiosis, the actual carrying out of that understanding perfectly, I think. 
in this way, in the way that we never have it until we have it, and there is no way of being more or less oikiotic, oikiosis is a bit like virtue. In fact, almost everything in Stoicism follows this theme. We're not the thing until we're the thing. There's no 50% or 99.9%. It's always 0% or 100%. It's a 0-1 kind of relationship. You're either the thing or you're not, and if you're not, you're just in varying states of still working on it. So to achieve oikiosis, the perfect execution of caring about the things you're supposed to care about in the way you're supposed to care about them, you don't ever really get there in the same way that no one ever becomes virtuous because no one is ever the perfect stoic sage. And I think this is a really important practical point that we're all efforting and we're all in progress. And I think that allows us to maintain a kind of humbleness that is important. And speaking of practicality, how exactly does all of this apply to our life in a practical way? So now that we know what oikiosis is, we can ask, what good does it do? It seems like a pretty high-minded concept, very academic, ivory tower-ish kind of idea, right? Like the morally superior individual has this thing, achieves oikiosis. I've told you to know what to have an affinity for and then figure out how to care for it appropriately. That's a great instruction, but it's not particularly helpful, I don't think, right? Seems like I could maybe do more than that. So let's take an example from real life. What if someone feels they could be eating better or that their family, the one they're in charge of feeding, could be eating better? Let's say they're concerned with trans fats or high sugar intake or, you know, pick your poison, almost literally. A person unconcerned with virtue or character, a person with no desire to concern themselves with what is appropriated as theirs, will bat away such thoughts and commitments such as going sugar-free or switching to a less meat-heavy diet or, again, pick your poison. I don't want to criticize any listeners for how they eat. I don't eat perfectly, that's for sure. But they're going to bat away such thoughts and commitments to doing such things, like those changes I outlined as an example. Because to change how you eat or to change how you cook for your entire family is a lot of work and effort. And I think people who are not concerned with character or virtue or doing the right thing in the right way for the right people because you've appropriated them appropriately to yourself, and someone who hasn't learned that it is important, critical, paramount, choose your word, to appropriate responsibilities for the right people in the right way, which leads them to do the right thing people who haven't done that are going to be overwhelmed by the effort because the effort is going to be the main theme. People who aren't concerned with virtue or character or achieving an oikiotic approach to life because they think it's the most important thing, they're going to see really difficult effort differently. They're going to see it as, again, the main character. And so, you know, that's too much work. And it becomes easier to make excuses for not doing that work. But someone who is actually concerned about the right things, the things that they've appropriated as theirs appropriately, is faced with either abandoning that claim or putting forth the effort they're able to put forth to change how they and their family eat in this example. Stoicism is very hard-lined in this way. It's not about what you want to do. It's about what you are supposed to do. If you're a Stoic, 
you do what you're supposed to do and you spend time figuring out what duties fall under the heading of supposed to do. We may not be able to cook better food for our family. Perhaps there's a real financial hurdle that prevents us from doing so. For example, a financial hurdle. In this case, we don't shame ourselves for not being able to do something we literally can't do. Stoicism isn't about beating ourselves up for not being perfect. It's about identifying the things we should and can do and then doing them. And that's at the metaphoric center of the discussion when we talk about the circles or the pyramid of concern and oikiosis. Here's another example, and it's one that applies to me. Maybe we're out of shape, and we know our body is ours to care for, and so we should have an affinity for it. And it is at the center of our circles of concern, at the top of our pyramid of concern, because it's the self. It has to do with us. From the circle's perspective, the health of the self is what enables the self to serve those outer circles, so it's important in that way. From the pyramid perspective, where the self is at the top of that pyramid, the self is enabled to thrive only because of the health and stability of all the things it relies on. So to mistreat or ignore the self is to take for granted all those supportive levels that are, at least in a pyramid, beneath us, but not literally beneath us, which is ungrateful and the sage would be anything but ungrateful. So what do we do? We're supposed to act in what ways we can to care for our body better. Now that's not going to look the same for everyone. Not everyone has the same means or time, for example, but it will look like something for everyone because no one can look at the state of their health determine that it needs improving, and decide that there's literally nothing to influence a positive change in concerns to their health. Everyone can do something to better care for and look after the things that they've appropriated as being theirs to be concerned with, unless, that is, they're already doing that. But in that case, they'd be sages. And we've got to be honest with ourselves about whether or not we're really doing it. For me, I kind of half-ass this. A couple of days a week, I make an effort towards some sort of physical activity. I'll take a walk, or I'll do some push-ups and some sit-ups, and you know, like the calisthenic thing. I'll make an effort, but I'm not good at making it consistently. So for me, relative to me and what I'm able to do, a way for me to make a realistic improvement, an appropriate realistic improvement, is to increase my consistency in doing these things that I do sort of haphazardly and with no real structure. If you're someone who does nothing at all, but you have the ability to and the time to, well, then maybe your thing, your appropriate improvement steps might just be to choose one or two days a week where you do something. Again, it is all contextual, and it's about making progress, not about becoming perfect. We're working towards perfection, perhaps, but more so we're working towards making a genuine effort towards improvement. I'm going to take a quick break here, and when I come back, I'm going to share some examples from Stoic texts, ancient Stoic texts, and then we're going to talk a little bit about them. Stay with me. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. How did the ancient Stoics talk about oikiosis? In truth, we don't really know. We do, however, have people known as doxographers who wrote about the Stoics and others, and were much closer to original sources, time-wise and perhaps literally as well. One such doxographer, which by the way is a person who writes down and tries to explain the positions of philosophers and scientists, is Diogenes Laertes. And just for the record, that is not Diogenes of Sinope, the cynic we all know and love. This is a different Diogenes who was born, in fact, the same year that Marcus Aurelius died, 180 AD. Perhaps the reincarnation, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's definitely not. Here's something from this Diogenes discussing oikiosis. An animal's first impulse, say the Stoics, is to self-preservation because nature from the outset endears it to itself, as Chrysippus affirms in the first book of his work On Ends. His words are, the dearest thing to every animal is its own constitution and its consciousness thereof. For it was not likely that nature should estrange the living thing from itself, or that she should leave the creature she has made without either estrangement from or affection for its own constitution. We are forced then to conclude that nature in constituting the animal made it near and dear to itself, for so it comes to repel all that is injurious and give free access to all that is serviceable or akin to it. So here we have Chrysippus through Diogenes Laertes saying, essentially, a living thing must needs be concerned with itself. For how could a thing which had no concern for itself be at all useful? How could a thing that cared not for its own survival, for example, continue to exist? And indeed, many centuries later, Darwin and others made this clear to us scientifically through their work in evolutionary biology, that in fact it cannot. A thing is endeared to itself by nature because it must be. Here's Laertes again. As for the assertion made by some people that pleasure is the object to which the first impulse of animals is directed, it is shown by the Stoics to be false. For pleasure, if it is really felt, they declare to be a byproduct, which never comes until nature by itself has sought and found the means suitable to the animal's existence or constitution. It is an aftermath comparable to the condition of animals thriving and plants in full bloom. And nature, they say, made no difference originally between plants and animals, for she regulates the life of plants too, in their case without impulse and sensation, just as also certain processes go on of a vegetative kind in us. But when in the case of animals, impulse has been superadded, whereby they are enabled to go in quest of their proper alignment, for them, say the Stoics, nature's rule is to follow the direction of impulse. But when reason, by way of a more perfect leadership, has been bestowed on the beings we call rational, for them, life according to reason rightly becomes the natural life. 
for reason supervenes to shape impulse scientifically. So animals never really move beyond this endearment to the self because they lack reason. Humans, on the other hand, and to be clear, any other animal endowed with reason, and we're constantly finding that animals we didn't know had this ability have varying degrees of this ability, reason that is, any other animal endowed with reason is enabled to move beyond endearment to just the self because according to reason, it becomes clear that there are other things one must endear themselves to in order to live according to nature, in order to play their proper role in the whole of nature, to endear ourselves to our family, our friends, our communities, other human beings, animals, and the planet is to make the proper use of our reason. And so we must endear ourselves to these things. There is no question about this, stoically speaking. But there is a question for you, and I'm going to ask it now. Remember, to answer this question, you need only open this podcast episode in your Spotify app on your mobile device and answer the question. It's right there below the episode. This Friday, we're going to have an interview on the topic of oikiosis with William Stevens. And no doubt, you're going to have questions for William Stevens. And yes, I am aware that I still owe you an interview RE Ego in Stoicism, and I actually have Donald Robertson lined up for that. He's a new dad or at least he's newly a dad again, so he's quite busy. He's also got two book launches going on, but I have him lined up for the end of this month, so we'll hear Ego Part 3 in February sometime. I haven't forgotten. And all the questions you asked on Spotify under that episode, we're going to ask Donald all those questions. But this episode isn't about ego, it's about oikiosis, and the discussion we're going to have Friday with William Stevens is going to be about oikiosis. So if you listen to this podcast through Spotify, I want to know your questions for William Stevens, and I want to know them soon. So you've got to get them in before I have my conversation with William Stevens, or they're not going to get asked. So again, go and open this episode in Spotify and simply answer the question that's right there below the episode in the mobile app. Ask some good questions, all right? And if you don't have Spotify and you're like, hey, Tanner, what the hell? I want to ask some questions too. You can send them to my contact form by going to stoicismpod.com and then selecting contact from the menu somewhere and you can just send me a question there. Oikiosis is a deep topic, so you can get as nerdy as you want or you can go light or somewhere in between, whatever it is, just ask a meaningful question. And when I say meaningful, I mean meaningful to you. What do you want to know? Thank you for listening today. I appreciate you taking the time every Monday and now Friday to listen to this podcast. I hope the reduction in, let's say, my productivity for pumping out episodes at a rate no one can keep up with, including, it seems, myself, makes listening to this podcast on a regular basis more tenable for you, let's say. Thanks again for listening, and until Friday, take care. 